0: know your story, but also know it in the context of your community stories because they are the same thing. you know it's all of us together who make up the story of this community. Bridge the city, city the city bridge the city, city
1: Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Benjamin Rangel. And I'm Sam Woods. And we are here today with a very special episode. We got to interview the man, the myth, the mustache, no, the mustache, mustache. Sam, John Gerda, Milwaukee historian, uh, Emmy award-winning historian, John Gerda. Um, it was truly a pleasure But before we get into the Gerda greatness, Sam I think mm-hmm. Bridge the City has some amazing things happening this week yeah. This is the week of November 11th mm-hmm. So if you're listening to it after, you can kind of skip ahead Get to the Gerda and the interview But listen right now for some amazing information about upcoming events And Sam, you're yep. a part of one of these events Yes,
2: I am I'm a part of both of them, actually Okay, he's a part of both <laughs> a, of them <laughs> I'm an official member of this team It's true
1: <laughs> This is true This is very true, uh, Sam you are a part of the team. I didn't mean to slight you there. What I meant, Sam, was that you are going to facilitate your first ever political open mic. You are going yep. to be one of the moderators. What is this political open mic
2: about? So on Wednesday, November 13th at Central Standard Distillery, we'll be hosting our fourth uh, political open mic with on public on privacy, policy and public investment in tech. Um, we have a number of speakers. We'll put more information in the show description.
1: Thank you, Sam. That's super exciting. We also have another event the very next day, all part of Startup Milwaukee, by the way, which is an amazing uh, mm-hmm. entrepreneurially focused event. Yeah. Throughout the, I mean, series of events, I should say, we have another event the very next day, the first ever Podfest MKE, and for this event, we actually have a special guest to tell you more information about what you can expect.
3: Folks, this is Kyle Hagee here, co-creator of Bridge the City podcast. Unfortunately, I'm the special guest. We couldn't get anyone else to come in, but here we are. So PodFest MK is going to be the hottest event of Startup Week besides the political open mic. The common denominator is Bridges City's involved with both. If you want to hear from the Lieutenant Governor himself, you're going to want to come to PodFest. The beer runner, Tim Silgowski, you're going to want to come to PodFest. Guy Raz's Ghostwriter? is going to be there you're going to want to come to PodFest. we have food crush we have mk forward damn near 30 podcast bridge the city cream city pacers and the brimful life with beth ridley that is an absolute all-star podcasting lineup go to PodFest mk now for more details and to get your tickets we'll see you there
1: thank you so much uh, that was a wonderful announcement there It is thursday november 14th at no studios there's an educational component a learning component in the uh, early afternoon from one to four and then from five to uh eight is the entertainment section
3: they're going to be calling it yes studios when we're done
1: wow okay breaking news there with that thank you so much to our supporters our patrons remember you can support bridge the city at patreon.com slash bridge city uh share our podcast we appreciate that without further ado john gerda John Gerda, let me just start by thanking you for being on Bridges City.
0: Uh, glad to be here, Ben. And I, I describe myself as a Milwaukee writer and historian, and I've been doing it for 47 years this fall. Uh, I've kind of joked, half seriously, that if I had to write a memoir now, it would be called 47 Years of 1099s. This <laughs> <laughs> is pretty much yeah. the way I've, I've uh, progressed as a, as a writer and historian uh written 22 books and some are more general you know about neighborhoods or the city's history yeah. and others are more commissioned works whether it's for a business or a church or Forest Home Cemetery it's, yeah. it's been yeah. kind of a not necessarily a secure way to make a living but it's really been it's been pretty interesting you know, yeah. for all these years wonderful
1: and I was telling you before we started how much of an honor this is Kyle and I started the podcast um 2 Oh, uh, well, over two years ago at this point. And uh, we said from the beginning that if we could get John Goethe on, <laughs> you know, our podcast made it at that point. So uh, this is a real honor. I'm glad to be here.
0: That's kind of a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we don't think so. Oh, so, okay. uh, well, thank you, Ben. Uh, and so I was doing a little bit of research, you mm-hmm. know, getting prepped for the interview. Um, and I saw that in a recent interview with WUWM, you made a point about Milwaukee having. Um, Kind of a strong history that people from Milwaukee like their history. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you can see it in the architecture and all around. Uh, but do you think that there's a part of Milwaukee's history that is sort of either overlooked or misunderstood?
0: Well, I think the the general story is in, in any city. You know, they're not all that well known. You know, the high points. People know why the bridges cross river at an angle. They know there were three settlements that didn't get along. Uh, okay. you no, know, they know that about industry. Uh, Alice Chalmers, you know, some of the the real big ones, Uh, but sort of the the more nuanced things, you know, kind of how groups did and did not get along over the years and how that kind of uh, projects into the 21st century and those things are, are somewhat more obscure. Uh, neighborhoods as well, you know, tend to be not so well known. No, we we kind of move along our own kind of ruts, I, including myself. You know, we kind of move along our established patterns. And it's pretty easy to live your whole life in a city and not really have any idea, you know, what, what life is like or what the, even the basic geography is like in other parts of town that, that are not part of your territory. So sure, yeah, there are always things that there's, there's always more to discover.
1: So speaking of just history in general and, like, discussion around history with my friends... Uh, I love history. My friends know who you are. They, are su- they were super excited that you're going to be on the podcast, but I'm worried that I might be in a little bit of a bubble in that the appreciation for history might be a little generational. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's fair to say that that appreciation for history or love for history, or maybe the way we receive our history, th- there's like a generational gap or difference there?
0: Uh, I think there's, there's often uh, a stereotype that history is for old people. And, and I, did, honest, I didn't want to say it. No, but no, but no, no, no. Please. Uh, when I give talks, and I do a lot of talks, you know, 50, 60 a year, uh, more often than not, the audience is relatively gray-haired and generally white, you know, so those are kind of the, the demographics uh, for local history, and I'm, I'm, what really pumps me up is that if I'm giving a talk at the, the one at Good City Brewing, uh, they one at Lakefront Brewing, uh, you know, and getting uh, you know people in their twenties and thirties out, and getting uh more people of color out i, I, I love that you know just mm-hmm. just kind of people buying in sort of sort of going against the stereotype and I think there is uh a genuine interest you know, some of the things you know in the last few years uh Radio Milwaukee you know did a whole series about uh, neighborhoods kind of riffing on the book you know that came out in what twenty fifteen or so. And that was their first extended video series, and so I got to stand up and take people around the neighborhood and kind of show them. And and that that was the response was was very enthusiastic, and that 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 uh, that, it warms my heart. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: So I'm I'm curious how the how how do you see the discipline of history or or just being a historian changing in the next 20 20 to 30 years from now.
0: I think it's always changing uh, and I think that there is uh, there's evolution in any field mm-hmm. but I, I think history is basically storytelling and and, and that that doesn't change. Yeah. You know the the format might the media might uh, but in terms of you know trying to uh, kind of tell the story of how things how things were in their relationship to the, to the the present that's 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 pretty much uh, evergreen. Yeah. Uh,
1: One of my, uh, I've seen you speak quite a few times. So you said you do like 60 plus speaking arrangements a year. I think I try to make about,
0: it's my pension plan. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I try to make maybe 10% of those. Um, I saw you speak at your rails, the trails presentation. I think it was at the Wisconsin bike expo or something. Um, it was great by the way, uh, And for some, it might be easy to forget that although you're a historian, you have your own passions and interests, one of them being biking. Sure. Um, Are there any other interests or hobbies besides uh, being an historian, you know, things that occupy your time?
0: Things I do when I'm not doing my day job. Yeah, yeah. I I do a lot of biking. I like photography, you know, and I'll... I haven't done it for a time, but I try to play around with songwriting. I'm a, I'm a very bad guitarist. Okay. Know, I'm among, among the worst in Milwaukee, but I sort of <laughs> sort, sort of noodle, noodle around with that. But biking, and what's happened in the last 10 years is I'm part of this show called Around the Corner with John McGivern, which is the, the, right. the highest rated locally produced show on Thursday night in the country wow. on PBS. So it really has got a, a loyal following. And the first time we we taped that, the first episode was in Bayview nine years ago. And I live in Bayview and I, I biked down to where we were taping and the producer said, let's keep that. Uh, mm-hmm. So now it's, for, for the first year or so, we tried to, you know, there some reason, you No, know, I'd, I'd be, I don't know shopping for bread or something in the neighborhood. Now, now it's, it's just sort of, it's kind of a shtick, you know. It's just yeah. kind of just, <laughs> you just you just bring the bike wherever you are. I just happen to have my
1: bike, yeah, you know, yeah. in <laughs> Platteville, Wisconsin, yeah. having a bike yeah. there from Milwaukee. I hope you didn't spoil anyone who's a, a avid watcher. And they're like, oh, I thought John just biked to every single no. location, <laughs> not,
0: not for three minutes of yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's oh. that's become that's become sort of the uh, the question I get asked the most is, you know, did you ride your bike? Where's your bike today? Uh, and that's. It's fun. And, and for me, when, when we finish the taping, which takes no more than you know, probably a half hour, 45 minutes, you know, I'll, I'll go nope. override my bike. You know? yeah. So I put on a lot of miles in Wisconsin.
1: Do you yeah. think there's a connection between your interest in biking and uh, your your role as a historian? The reason I ask is because I recently biked across the state of Wisconsin, through the Ride Across Wisconsin. Oh, you did? Okay. And did you do fant- two-day two or one day? I did the two-day. You did? Okay. Uh, last year, I did the one-day. Um, Not to break here on the podcast. But you did the one day? I did the one day last oh, year. So hun- two, 200 miles? So last year was 175 miles Whoa. in one day. And then this time <laughs> uh, it was a little bit longer, 225 miles. So I did it in two days. I realized that I got to see the state of Wisconsin in a way that I never saw it before. Absolutely. Do you think that your love and passion for biking also sort of supplements your, your interest in different historical uh, pieces of information throughout the city or where no, no, you are?
0: Sure, Ben. I think they're somewhat analogous, you know, sort of slow motion travel so you get to see things at, at your own pace. And that was this, this last year. Uh, I was going to do a fall, a fall camping trip where we were up in Eau Claire. We were doing the Around the Corner show. It was raining, so I took Highway 12 uh, back from Eau Claire all the way down to near Madison and it it was it was just a uh, that was a pleasure but I was intentionally going slow on a bike you have to go slow mm-hmm. so so you're absorbing it you're constantly in the the context of the landscape and I love that I love that about biking no it's it's fast enough to to go someplace but at the same time it's slow enough to let you absorb yeah uh, what you're seeing and let you stop wherever you want you know don't mm-hmm pull off the road and kinda of have trucks honking at you. You know, it's just uh it's a very very human form of transport. We just got back, uh my wife and I and ten ten friends, we did a bike barge trail uh trip in, in uh Holland and uh, uh Belgium. And you know, talk about bike-friendly communities. You know, there there are more yeah. bikes in Amsterdam than there are cars. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was just remarkable you know, to see that culture. You know, being the majority culture. You know, and yeah. not mm-hmm. kind of restricted to these yeah. bike lanes where you're kind of, bike lanes where you're kind of in harm's way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know, like when when conversations around accessibility and and history come up, it's usually about the work itself. So like if you write like a really dense, like really good historic historical work but it's like it's really hard to get through and it right. doesn't reach a lot of people then like you know it kind of like undermines the work Absolutely. um how important is it to be accessible as a historian uh it's so, it's, it's so.
0: crucial No, i i write to be read you mm-hmm. know i I don't write to be on a shelf mm-hmm. uh yeah. I, I want i want people to uh absorb the story uh be attracted to the story yeah uh so uh, it's, it's nowhere near enough, you know, for me just to put down the facts. I, I, writing, writing is really hard. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you guys do it. Writing's hard. And I, 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 spend a lot of time, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a pretty picky writer. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and the, the point is, don't try to, to phrase things as, as uh, I think a clarity and flow as two things that are really important to me. Okay. And, uh, you know, I don't like to To read obscure texts, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't like things that, you know, that kind of make me stop, stop, start, stop, start, stop, yeah. start. You know, so that's that's something I uh, I strive for in, mm-hmm. in everything I do. So yeah, ac- accessibility, absolutely, yeah. extremely important. Mm-hmm. And I, some of the things I look back now, at the kind of the the book that'll probably who knows, but may live the longest is the Making of Milwaukee. You no, know, mm-hmm. that first edition came out in 1999. Yeah. And we just did the fourth edition in December of 2018, you know, so it's, and that's the thing sold about twenty seven, twenty eight thousand 28,000 copies, you know, so that's, which is doing really, really well for a a, a local Mm -hmm. book. And I read some of that now. I spent four years writing the first edition and I read it now. I said, huh, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Where did I come up with that? So, I mean, like, like a lot of things, you know, you kind of, you look at, uh, at at past work and you know, the context in which you were working. Then uh, you maybe lose a, lose a little connection with. But I could have earned a college degree. You know, in the time I worked on that book, mm-hmm. and that's all I did. You know, for four years. Yeah. But you know, I think uh, to me that that's you know, kind of a uh, that'll be a, sort of a, a signature.
1: Yeah. And speaking of accessibility and that book, PBS obviously made a mm-hmm. the documentary about well from the making of Milwaukee from your book. In that one, an Emmy, right? Correct. Right. Did do you have that Emmy? Did Uh, you win the Emmy, or did
0: (laughs) you can you put it's people on the production team? So it was Claudia Luz who was producer director, Bill Werner who was executive producer, and me. So you are the first ever Emmy winner
1: on Bridge City podcast. Really cool. Yes. Yes. You you should you
0: should you should know Ben. It's a Chicago Emmy, so it's 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 regional. Okay. Know, so, well, that's it, all right. But it does mean we beat all the Chicago stations. Yes, it's right. just something is a to brag about. Much bigger market, and <laughs> yes. the hardware is the same. There you go. Um, <laughs> but to, and to the point of accessibility, uh, you know, that was something that was uh, on my mind even before the ink was dry in the book. You know, I, I knew that this story was was too good and too important to be left only in print. Mm-hmm. So I approached Milwaukee PBS then MPTV uh, and said. I'd had some relationship with them before. I worked on several projects. And I said, uh, can we do a series? So they said, sure, go raise the money. So, <laughs> so, so I spent about what close to two years fundraising wow. uh, but the result was you know it's, it's five hours of tv you know and that's mm-hmm. and we had we boy there was some there's some cool things on that series uh, we have Maurice Wininsky, who was a now retired bassist for the Milwaukee Symphony a composer uh, and he began by writing a score that was sort of incidental music you know kind of the, the transitions and so on and ended up writing a score that fit that Fit the script, fit the the visual movement like a glove, and that and that really, really you know adds to the power mm-hmm. you know of, of that that entire
1: project. So you talked about the fourth edition of your book. Is there any thought of like a rework of the series? The, the we Making did. Milwaukee series?
0: Uh, it's pretty hard to kind of. Sort of re- go in and kind of rejigger, you mm-hmm. know, kind of a video. Uh, I mean, you can do it, certainly. But the, the the basic story stays the same. What we did was, uh, this is back in, the series came out in 2006. So in 2016, uh, we went out and raised some money, and Claudia and I uh, and w- worked on a half-hour update, uh, just called it the next chapter. So mm-hmm. it was, you uh, know, that, that period, 10 years, is too short for a whole segment, you know, about... Of the same scale as we had before, uh, but it had been long enough so you can kind of look back and see everything from deindustrialization to changing demographics to all the all the science, sort of the the technical technology yeah. revolution mm-hmm. yeah. that was pretty much visible. Did
1: you always know that you wanted to uh, be involved in like videos and, and film and movies and things like that? As a historian, it's it's not necessarily common to you know, be winning Emmys, for example. My
0: self image is, is as a writer. You know, okay. that's what I think of myself as, and I'm pretty much a print guy. You know, that's kind of the world I live in, and it's changing. You know, your, your generation, you no, know, certainly, and, and my kids. You know, three kids in their 30s uh, who are don't read a newspaper. You know, get a lot of their news from podcasts. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the things have changed, obviously, uh, but at the same time, you know, I I, I have realized that the the format you know has to be whatever whatever people can absorb you know kind of whatever that uh whatever reaches them you know is kind mm-hmm. of, is what you have to work in so it's not it's not i don't say that in any uh kind of reluctant or grudging way you know, t v can be it can be fun it can be a lot of fun yeah. uh and radio as well uh and it's it's <laughs> to be honest it's easier writing for t v than it is to write for a book because mm-hmm. you got you gotta be short <laughs> you gotta yeah. put the the Subject uh, words kind of up front. So different kind of writing, but uh, but yes, you know, that's something I've always you know, had interest in okay.
2: Does your uh, approach to storytelling change with the medium? Uh, so like you you say your images as a writer, right. but like obviously like you you have less bandwidth you have less like room for um, For telling the story with TV or radio. Sure. Um, how does your storytelling approach? change or do you go in it with a different intention
0: i'll give you a good example uh these around the corner segments mm-hmm. no i have three i have three minutes yeah i i, I have, yeah, it's I, have fast. Th- <laughs> I have three minutes and maybe three and a half yeah no it's uh so it's better to think uh, of it as like 180 temp. seconds like you got to use all of them <laughs> right so you just uh you you learn to be succinct mm-hmm. uh, i do a column for the journal sentinel once a month on sunday and those are 1200 words and now after 25 years, you know, I, I can I sort of know when I'm at 1,200 words, mm-hmm. you know, so there's, there's something, there's kind of a sort of a proportional adjustment in your head that takes mm-hmm. over. Uh, mm-hmm. So the storytelling changes in terms of scale, uh, but in terms of the you know, the basic responsibility to tell a story accurately mm-hmm. and with some grace, mm-hmm. And, and clarity and flow again. No, that that doesn't change.
2: Yeah. Are you thinking of an end audience when you're telling a story? Like I'm thinking of the reader, and so I'm going to write to like kind of the reader, or I'm gonna, I'm thinking of my sources, and I'm going to try to write to tell the story that they want. Or to hear. other
0: uh, historians,
1: or other no, no, historians. Yeah. No, no,
0: no. I, I, I have a, a world of respect, mm-hmm. you know, for people who are professionals in the field. Uh, I, I write for a general audience. Okay. You know, I, I don't write with this sort of jury you know people behind hmm. me you know saying is that, that yeah. you, you have to do that you no know, you have right. to say is is this true or not because it's defensible you know mm-hmm. do you have enough sources for this but in terms of you know whose ears and whose eyes mm-hmm. you know it reaches you know that's as general as possible okay so i want to shift a little bit to
1: to start looking looking ahead for milwaukee uh one of my favorite quotes i think it was like on a Uh, like a visual in one of my classrooms in middle school or something and stuck with me, but it's uh, a generation which ignores history, has no past and no future. Um, (laughs) And so my question to you is, uh, how does your expansive knowledge of Milwaukee's history inform what you believe Milwaukee will become in its
0: future? Uh, I've always defined history as why things are the way they are. And sometimes that's called sort of a... uh, a temporalist, you know, I, I, again, I have respect for people who are studying a Syrian military strategy, you know, <laughs> or, or ancient Greek texts, you know, but, but my, my, where I live, you know, is, uh, where Milwaukee is now, Wisconsin is now and extension of America as well. And kind of what got us here and necessarily kind of where that's leading us. You, know, you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been, you know, so that that's important to me. Uh, I'm asked, you know, kind of what the what does the future hold in Milwaukee? And I always say, don't ask a story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> we're, we're kind of looking back. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's pretty obvious that the future has nowhere to come from but the past. Yeah. No, there, there is no other choice. <laughs> you can't just sort of make it up out of a out of whole cloth. So some of the patterns uh, in Milwaukee's case, you know, manufacturing was our bread and butter. Manufacturing uh, became, you know, certainly, uh, savaged by the recessions from the 1980s and on, uh, but it remains uh, more than most other metro areas a critical part of our economy. So what form that takes as the 21st century rolls on, really open to question. Uh, but that'll remain, you know. Uh, a huge part of our our, our present. Uh, the larger issues for me, and this is this is the one that I think America, you know, has yet to successfully grapple with, is the, the permanence of an entrenched underclass. You know, you're now in Milwaukee's case, Cleveland, Chicago. You're in, you're in the third, fourth generation. Mm-hmm. You know, of people who uh, were slammed by deindustrialization and. The whole notion of you know, a union job in a union town or you have wages that would buy you two cars and send your kids to school and buy, your, buy a house. So that's, that dream's pretty well gone. And Milwaukee is a place where that dream was most alive relative to other American cities. But in common with others in the industrial north, uh, you know, that's, that's one that is still, uh, I, I think, uh, getting close to intractable. Know, what do you do? You know, what mm-hmm. do you do? Know, to kind of engage, you know, people who have been disengaged for so long. I, I think that's the biggest challenge facing this city, and by extension, the entire country. You know, it's not—it's mm-hmm. not, it's not just a Milwaukee issue. This is something that uh, I know you see all around the country. So, in a lot of ways, the
1: future depends on how we, as a city or as a country, really address or um, you know support. Uh, the generations of people who have been left behind by the yeah, initialization absolutely. And so Just, yeah, absolutely
2: yeah and I, i'm cur- um, kind of thinking out loud here but like does as as history gets closer to the present and then when you start like turning towards the future how how does like being a historian get complicated by current politics so like it's easily it's easier to talk about you know pollution in oh, yeah. the Milwaukee River a hundred yeah. years ago. Yeah, absolutely, much harder
0: now. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, in the update for the the new edition mm-hmm. of the Mickey Milwaukee book, you know, yeah. it came out in December. Uh, I wanted to be not not in the. In the present, but uh, close enough, you yeah. know, so people could recognize you mm-hmm. know, patterns that uh, went back, had some connection with things going back. So, mm-hmm. for instance, I talked about Foxconn. Mm-hmm. And Foxconn, when that came out, was, you know, the uh, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. You know? <laughs> so, and where that's going to end up is really an open question mm-hmm. uh, today. So sometimes, you know, you... You get kind of too far out there on the mm-hmm. the diving board.
2: How, how do you know when
0: you've gone too far? <laughs> uh, when a year later you say, huh, it's an open question.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> John, one of the most iconic, one of your most iconic features, and I don't know if you know this or not, is your mustache. <laughs> uh, how long have you had the mustache for? Uh,
0: I can tell you. Uh, it was my junior year in college.
1: Junior year in college, okay. Yeah,
0: so 1968. Okay I shaved it off for for one year, and we were, we were up north uh and I shaved it off and you know familiarity you know kind of we we started to stop looking at each other. Yeah. My wife didn't notice it you know for oh. mo- <laughs> most of the day yeah. <laughs> like someone has new glasses or something, and then yeah. she colored and she said there's something different about it. you say yeah, it's gone yeah. so and uh, that, that was that was a few years ago, and uh there was one one season of around the corner. No, that's not true. It was run had a goatee for one season around the corner, so that kind of oh, wow. stands, stands yeah.
1: out. Um, well, well I, I love it. I I appreciate the
0: mustache. It, yeah,
2: why why mustache? I mean, there's a lot of different directions you can go with facial hair. Yeah, you, hair, you, a lot <laughs> of you
0: went the you went the goatee for a bit. Yeah. Uh, my. Style is maybe it's just, it's just personality. You know, I, I tend to sort of stick with, stick with one kind of look and change it up once in a while, but not not sure. all that often. Yeah. So it's and I and I don't have a goatee works just fine, but uh, I don't have a full beard in the in my cheeks. To um, uh,
1: Milwaukee favorites, I'm sure you get this a ton, but uh, uh, you're wearing a MGD shirt right now oh, for the listeners. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have a favorite brewery in the city? Lakefront. Lakefront? okay
0: that's yeah. like good city yeah there's a lot of good there's a lot of good beer in Milwaukee you know, yeah but and that's there relatively
1: really recent uh from my knowledge right like we've always had Miller and Schlitz and, well you know we used to be the city you know known for its beer after the Chicago fire and right, and right. so on but I feel like our scene as a micro brew city, Kind of blew up with all of the other microbrews around the country. Absolutely,
0: and it, it turns out we, again we were in Europe, and we're talking to people there. You know, and, and Belgian blondes. You cannot get an IPA in, in those in Germany. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard to get an IPA. I, I don't drink it. My wife does. These uh, don't have the
2: taste for it, or
0: it's all the lagers and pilsners, mm-hmm. yeah, and and dunkles, the dark beers. Yep. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. so it's things they've they've done for right, you know, <laughs> why Uh years. So. But they they were t- telling us uh, that a lot of people are brewing at home now and they're kind of selling to their friends and they're going to grow. It's become international. It's really has become an international movement. It's interesting now. Uh, Kathy Flanagan from the Journal Sentinel, she does a, a website called Beer Near. And according to her, uh, her numbers... There are now, I think, 40 breweries, as they're defined, in the four-county metro area. Wow. That's more than Milwaukee has ever had in its entire history. Wow. You know, so they're small in terms of output, uh, but we're, we're at a high, a high water, high beer mark in yeah. terms of numbers. Wow, that's impressive. But some of those some of those go back Man, I think what Sprecher's Lake Friends eighty three. Lake Friends I know yeah, is another around. A around a Sprecher, mm-hmm. You know, has been around uh, perhaps a little longer. Uh, yep. Also good beer. Yeah. There's and what I've said is the uh, uh, now we're we're down to Miller Coors and I yeah, I'm yeah. wearing the shirts. I did their history back in oh hmm. five for the hundred and fiftieth, which is was, was a lot of fun. That was that was a really yeah. interesting project. Yeah. And they give you know give you swag once. Why not? Pay reports necessarily. Uh but that's sort of the regional brewery of a company based in, in London. You know, the, the, most of the course is near Chicago. Uh, but you know, the others are gone. Schlitz and Pabst are gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miller makes that beer. Well, Pabst now has their brew house. 300 barrels. Um, yeah. 300 barrels. You know, so yeah. so it's, it's okay for pilots, but you're not talking about a production brewery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite uh, view of the city. Um, probably from the Texas Avenue pumping station in Bayview, you know, which you kind of overlook uh, down the, su- the south shore and all the way up the, the curve of the coastline, mm-hmm. all the way up to Lake Park and beyond. That's, that's, a, that's a really nice view uh, of Milwaukee.
1: Yeah,
0: favorite historical fact about Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we had socialist mayors for 38 of 50 years in the 20th century, no one did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Or,
1: like, the fact that we've had, what, six mayors in, like, 50 years
2: or something? Um,
1: That's pretty shocking as well. Sam, do you have any favorite questions? That's all I
2: have. Uh, (laughs) uh, No. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: Great. Well, John, thank you so much for being... One thing that Bridge... uh, Thank you so much for being here, I should say. One thing that Bridge City really is focused on is action, just generally in the community. We end every single episode with a tangible action step for our listeners something they can do tomorrow or maybe over the course of the next few weeks to get involved and make a real difference do you have an action step for our listeners a way that they can get involved
0: yes uh we are often advised to live in the now uh i would encourage people to spend some time living in the then because that's where the now came from you know so understand that context and beyond that uh know your story but also know it in the context of your community stories because they are the same thing you know it's all of us together who make up the story of this community and the more you know about your own story know where you came from uh kind of how whether you're you've been here for a week or you know five generations you know kind of how all these threads kind of come together, the more curious you will be about other people's stories. I mean, we, are, mm-hmm. we really are all, all in this together. And I think uh, history is something that can really help to make those connections.
1: Wonderful. And then lastly, an opportunity to plug anything, uh, any new project <laughs> or anything, you got anything that listeners should be aware of?
0: Uh, not really the the, the stories two really good and probably undersung bookstores are the Milwaukee County Historical Society on third and Kilbourne and historic Milwaukee Incorporated on Broadway and Michigan in the Granny Exchange building uh, both of them have really uh, very extensive inventories of books including mine you know, so they're, they're available there uh, but lots of others and all kinds of other kind of Milwaukee Milwaukee Anna as well uh, so those are uh, and they're open every day so you uh, lots of chances to go in and, you know, kind of learn, uh, learn
1: the stories. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate you.
0: My pleasure, Ben, Sam. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bridge the City. We hope that you learned a lot from John Gerda. We hope that you had a lot of fun listening to the mm-hmm. conversation. I know Sam and I did as well. Yeah. Sam, what is one thing you're gonna remember from that interview?
2: Yeah. Um, John Gerda's discussion on when history becomes um, the present day and like when, when you really draw that line is definitely gonna stick with me.
1: Yeah, for me, it's the mustache. All right, thank you so <laughs> much, uh, listeners. We appreciate your support. We would love for your support as a patron Mm-hmm. on patreon.com slash bridge the city and we hope to see all of you at our upcoming events yep. this week again the political open mic wednesday with new walkie and the first ever podfest mke uh on thursday you can find more information in the show notes and on our website bridgecitypodcast.com and always please let us know how you have helped bridge the city
0: bridge the city, the city.